G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. So get ready for a conversation as we turn our attention to the nation that has become the most dangerous place to follow Jesus on the face of the whole earth. Since 2002, Christian believers have faced violence and extreme levels of pressure in all areas of life. And I'm talking about the nation of North Korea. Under Kim Jong-un, when Christians are discovered, they can be thrown into labor camps and classed as political criminals. It's not unusual for Christians to be killed on the spot and their families often share the same fate. Any Christian material, especially the Bible, is illegal. Many Christians memorize passages and verses before dividing or destroying their Bible to avoid storing the whole text and the risk of being caught. All citizens are expected to worship the leader, Kim Jong-un. It's impossible for believers to gather and worship together. The only visible churches in North Korea are those used as propaganda to convince foreigners that freedom of religion exists. Well, this is our discussion today, and you might even see how you could fit into some of the issues that come out of our conversation. Our special guest through this coming hour is James Casina. James is with the team at Open Doors. James? A special welcome along to 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. What an absolute privilege to be here and a a huge thank you to all of our listeners today as well. James, let's start with what some people will say would be the obvious. Uh, We've got our own challenges here in Australia with COVID-19. We seem to have dodged a bullet. The rest of the world is suffering and struggling in a whole lot of different areas. I wonder how that affects this nation of North Korea. I wonder if we start with that and the sort of things that you might be hearing from your contacts, the intelligence that comes out of North Korea. What's happening there? It's funny that you would use the phrase dodged a bullet, actually, because in many ways, actually, until very recently, North Korea has been espousing this idea that they have zero cases of COVID in their country. Um, That is almost entirely impossible, according to our sources. Um, There's been apparently one case recently of a returning uh, someone who had escaped to South Korea and was returning back to North Korea, and they're trying to pin all of the danger of COVID-19 on this one person. Uh, but we would say that there's a, a very high chance that there are many, many more cases right throughout the country you talked about the fact that uh, Christians are extremely persecuted in North Korea, the most dangerous place to follow Jesus for almost 20 years. Uh, despite that fact, our sources are saying that there are 300,000, probably more than that, Christians alive in North Korea, but 70,000 of those detained in labor camps. And those kind of environments are uh, an absolute breeding ground for a virus like COVID-19. Uh, that's something that our sources are, are you know, um, 
I guess, preparing for the the worst in many ways. Um, If we're looking for something to pray into early in this conversation, that's a big one for us and for our partners. It is a big one, and we'll touch on prayer points as we go through Mm. this time. And uh, I know there'll be listeners who maybe have a pen or a pencil handy uh, to say, well, what are the prayer points here? And let's make COVID-19 one of those prayer point issues here. Hey, North Korea has topped the Open Doors World Watch List Mm -hmm. uh, for now I'm losing count of the years. Uh, But there are 50 nations on that list and North Korea has consistently been the worst persecutor. Uh, It has significant things to answer for, but uh, give us your impression here as to how that World Watch list looks. And of course, uh, there's been a little bit of fluidity uh, earlier this year, but give us your impression why North Korea is still on top. I think it's a a really good uh, kind of cursory conversation to understand what persecution looks like for people around the world. When I started with Open Doors four years ago, ISIS was, uh, you know, beginning to decline at that point, but it was all over the news. And I remember thinking as a young man growing up in church that I understood persecution. I thought it was an issue for Nero and the early church, you know, the early emperors uh, back centuries ago. And then I thought we had a few cases of extremism, Islamic extremism, and, and I thought it was all about violence and bombings. I thought it was a very isolated situation, but upon uh, starting my work with Open Doors four years ago, uh, we assess persecution right across all aspects of a Christian's walk. And so that includes not just violence, which is 50% of of what we measure in terms of persecution, but this other whole uh, wing of persecution that we call pressure. And in many ways, uh, that, that kind of pressure is a lifetime commitment and it's it's a much more severe and significant way to persecute Christians across a lifetime because there's no imminent end in sight. If you know that you're going to die for Jesus today or tomorrow, uh, that can be a, a valiant kind of you know rising to the occasion. But for example, if you uh, can't get a job to provide for your family, you can't vote. Many uh, many women don't even have an identity card if they change from a religion to Christianity. Uh, you'll be thrown out of your family household upon the moment you convert. Those kind of pressures uh, across a lifetime are a significant weight on many believers. Well, pressure is important here because... Uh, pressure can be, uh, we could talk about that as pressure to conform. Absolutely. And so when you have an extreme regime mm-hmm. that is controlling your every move, mm-hmm. controlling your every thought, it comes to pressure. And so uh, we even see these sorts of pressures emerging even in our own nation. Absolutely. Uh, but what we've got here is an example of, well, if you don't uh, look after things early, this is where these things advance to. Yeah. And the sort of Pressure is really on every aspect of life. This regime controls every minute detail in the lives of the people of North Korea. That's exactly right. And so, uh, yeah, in summary, for North Korea, you see both of those wings at the highest level globally. Uh, Extreme violence against Christians. Um, we, We don't even publish the death tolls of Christians in death camps because it's so difficult for us to ascertain those details, but we know they would be the worst in the world. Uh, And then you've also got the extreme levels of pressure in every scope of family life. Just one example for those uh, is if a a child is in a classroom, uh, the teacher will often hold up a Bible and say, have any of you seen one of these before? 
six-year-old children in the room. If a child even flinches in response, the entire family is taken away to prison, never seen from again. So you have a situation where uh, parents are unable or, or it's very difficult to share the gospel with their children for the fears that their children will be able to see them imprisoned. James, the terminology death camps, uh, there's all sorts of ways I hear people talking about these camps mm. in North Korea. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like a labor camp. Uh, sometimes you might hear it referred to as something similar to a concentration camp and, yeah. you know, those sorts of images that come to mind of uh, Holocaust, uh, Second World War. Yeah. Uh, but then to call these death camps, I mean, a camp is a camp and if people are treated in such a way as they will be easily killed mm-hmm. uh, for being disobedient, uh, that is an, an appropriate terminology. What are your yeah, thoughts Yeah, absolutely. And, and again... Um for, for me personally, it's just been one of those eye-opening experiences where our generation are watching, again, very literally one of the most horrific human rights abuses known to mankind play out in front of us. Uh, I think uh, in many ways there's probably a lack of awareness. We're grateful, you know, even for moments like this to bring a level of awareness of the fact that this is this is horrific and unacceptable and is is being played out in front of us. And uh, and I think you're exactly on the money. We're looking at exactly the same kind of scenarios that people went through generations ago. Um, and in hindsight, we would say that we're never going to let that happen again. And here it is right in front of us. And the world is challenged with what to do about North Korea. And you see those images of Donald Trump uh, shaking hands in a warm and friendly way with the North Korean leader. Uh, Those are challenging images too, knowing what goes on behind the scenes and the treatment of Christians. Uh, And so you have these stories that emerge uh, that Donald Trump, even as I understand it, has said, uh, that they came very, very close to a war with North Korea. Yeah. And so his meetings with Kim Jong-un were something of a, a way to uh, lighten the pressure that yeah. was building up there towards war. Uh, and yet we wonder that now things seem to have just gone back to the way that they were and, and Christians are still remaining in these death camps. Yeah, it, it was something that, um, you know, through our sources was met with I would like to think of myself as an optimistic person. I think as a person of faith, we have a, a duty to bring that kind of hope and, and light to the world around us. So I tried to to share that optimism from the media around that time, that, that things were possible. But through our sources, we could see there were some glaring uh, gaps in the negotiations with North Korea, the largest one being the human rights abuses. We're just nowhere nowhere on any of those uh, conversations. It was all about denuclearization. Um, it was about kind of sovereign protection of, of allies in the region and things like that, but nothing to be said about uh, the plight of Christians or, or other minority groups across across North Korea. Then there was the Winter Olympic Games in yeah. South Korea and uh, all of the high hopes that yeah. were there that something might give here, something might break, that yeah. there might be a new relationship between North and South, that families yeah. might be able to be reunited. And then after the Games finished, uh, all those hopes again yeah. dashed and they subsided and the regime maintains its power over every minute detail of the people in the yeah, north. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a world event like COVID-19 happens and we're all watching on 
very, very closely, seeing what could possibly happen next with North Korea. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, if you don't talk much about North Korea around your dinner table or at the water cooler, you'll be fascinated by the conversation we're having today. North Korea, the number one persecutor of Christian believers in the whole world, tops the world watch list. There's 50 nations on that list, and North Korea has consistently for many, many years been the worst persecutor of Christian believers. Our special guest this hour is James Kazina. He's with Open Doors. Open Doors, a wonderful organization that supports the persecuted church. And this is an interesting one because if it's so tough to get across the border, if it's so tough to communicate with someone who may be a Christian, and you mentioned that the church is alive and well, something I want to be able to uh, you know, explore some more with you, but if there's 300,000 uh, Christian believers and there is a Christian church that's underground, how do you get the connection to support people who are under such a tough regime? Uh, give us some insights here, James. Yeah, sure. And again, uh, I just let's just pause on that moment and celebrate that despite the fact that this has been the most dangerous place for almost 20 years to follow Jesus, uh, that there are 300,000 Christians alive there. I, I think that is just the uh, the image of the, the core of the gospel, that despite the challenges, um, you know, the, the message of Jesus will continue to advance. And uh, that's amazing. Like we already mentioned, um, our sources would estimate that 70,000 of those Christians are identified for their faith and are in hard labor camps as a result. Uh, so that's the, the the kind of challenge that we're presented with almost immediately. And to come back to your opening question, Neil, in terms of uh, how we practically help, uh, that's a very, very difficult one for us to comment on in this kind of environment. As you can imagine, the security restrictions are immense. Uh, but I have been getting some incredible reports uh, from our partners around the world and uh, I can tell you that that many, many thousands of Christians have received food, medicine, clothes, books, other material, uh, and and Christians right across uh, North Korea are able to take part in radio broadcasts as well uh, that remind them of their faith and their hope in Jesus. Um, there's little more that I'm allowed to say, <laughs> uh, obviously live on air on the radio regarding our, our covert work in country, but that gives you a bit of an idea of what it looks like. And what I always appreciate about Open Doors is those nations that you do work in yeah. and you do, in whatever ways you are able, establish local partners yeah. who can get in behind the borders, uh, and this is in a whole bunch of nations, and get some resource in there yeah. that actually is a practical help and uh, I think listeners will appreciate oh they'd like to know you know the five point plan of how you do this but yeah. they'll also appreciate that the work you do is covert operation it's a little bit like a spy network <laughs> and, uh, and 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 the way that you actually do get in there to support those believers just incredible uh, so far as those people who come across the border now I do know that in Previous years, like last year, I think there were something like 300 refugees yeah. that came across the border from North Korea. They escaped. Yeah. And no doubt, those who are trying to escape, many of those might have a Christian faith. 
that, of course, has been reduced way down to so, something like 12 that's people. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, the number with, are seeing. So COVID-19 having an, 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 a, cha- a challenge there, yeah. it's stopping people from actually getting a, their escape out of North Korea. That's right. And uh, again, that's just sort of one of the kind of outcomes of COVID is just this massive closing down on a regime that was already completely isolated from the world. You can sort of double down on that uh, as a side effect. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll see again. Uh, not much I can comment on in this forum, but a lot of our work is strengthening those kind of believers uh, that are North Korean background. Uh, just a, a little side note uh, for anyone who's wondering: a lot of the heart of those people is to return wherever possible and be able to spread the gospel. Uh, so that's a big part of of what we can do is is help train people and resource people in that regard as well. So people who are able to get across the border are some people who will be able to be trained uh, to take back into North Korea some of those foundations of how to be a believer in Christ, Uh, maybe even have uh, a Bible technology or a Bible hard copy uh, in their hands to be able to do that. I mentioned in the introduction, of course, that uh, there'll often be the case that when there is a hard copy Bible, that people will memorize passages and scriptures and they'll pass that around and then they won't keep that copy. They'll tear out portions of it or they'll destroy the Bible. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting one because I'm going to talk to you about how important the Bible is. But that's a, a, an amazing way of trying yeah. to distribute what is like gold. It's like a treasure in their hands. Absolutely. And you see, um, certainly from my journey with the persecuted church, passages of Scripture uh, make a lot more sense to me than they do in my context here in privileged Australia. Uh, I see that the Bible was written against the backdrop, you know, the, the, the New Testament anyway, written against the backdrop of, of persecuted Christianity. Uh, most of the New Testament written from a, a prison cell, from the Apostle Paul himself. Uh, a lot of the, the Gospels uh, and the letters to the early church make a lot of sense in light of the persecuted church, and I, I see exactly that. Um, and, and you're right that the kind of concept of the Word of God being written on your heart uh, means a lot more from from my journey with the persecuted church when that's all they have to cling to is the hope of God written on their heart because they can't have it in a physical form where we might have 15, 20 Bibles in our home probably gathering some dust on the bookshelf. For these people, it's the very air that they cling to. And doesn't that demonstrate what a treasure the Scripture is? And when you talk about us having, you know, 15 or 20 spare (laughs) copies of the Bible on our bookshelves and uh, we might boast about that but then have a reluctance to absorb and read and appreciate these deeper biblical principles that actually show us what it is to be free. Now, this is a very powerful concept because let me just take you into something here because we might wonder why governments around the world who would love to see regime change in North Korea are not using what they would see as or what we might be able to even ascertain as the thing that the North Koreans are most afraid of. And that is the truth that comes from people who have understood the Bible message yeah. uh, really takes the Bible to a whole new level. Absolutely, and it's true all over the world. Uh, this kind of core hatred for, uh, again, it's not just an ideology, it's not just a way of life, it's it's the message of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I, In many ways, he prepared us for this. He said it himself, don't be surprised when the world hates you, they hated me first. It was kind of hardwired into the gospel that there will be opposition and challenge uh, when you choose to follow me. 
And uh, I guess that's what I love about the narrative of the persecuted church is these people are, are bearing that, that challenge that was promised to them. And, you know, without turning this into a theological discussion, <laughs> uh, there is a certain sense in which without the kingship of God, without mm. his rulership ultimately, and as you say, mm. when he rules the heart, uh, mm. there is freedom. Yeah. But without that kingship, you've got these human ways of trying to fill that void. And it yeah. always turns into, ultimately, a controlling regime. Yeah. And that's what we have in North Korea. In fact, there is a religious dimension to all of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure how your uh, understanding of the terminology juche is, mm. but that's the uh, prevailing religious uh, political ideology that yeah. is in North Korea, and that's a challenging thing for people. Absolutely, and and uh, people are uh, you know told from the moment they're they're born in North Korea, it's 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 part of their their entire ideology that the Un dynasty are not just a, a a political leadership; they are deities, and and they are told to worship them, and uh, there are certain actions that you have to take with regards to you know statues and signs and images of the family. And so uh, you can see straight away that's where the, the, the narrative of Christianity just flies in the face of that from, from its inception. Mm. And just to illustrate that, from what I understand, in North Korea, people get married before a statue of Kim Il-sung, a kind of a quasi-religious ritual. So getting married is before the supreme... Uh, deity uh, leader Mm -hmm. Uh, they believe that Kim Jong-il invented the hamburger and they believe that the North Korean government has developed a wonder drug that can cure AIDS and Ebola yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure how old that information is, but it might actually precede the idea of COVID-19. But uh, maybe people say, in North Korea think that you know Kim Jong-un has mm-hmm. the cure for, uh, for uh, COVID-19. I always love a conversation with you, Neil, because I come away with facts I didn't know, <laughs> and I'll be incorporating the hamburger fact wherever I speak now. But uh, that I, I've heard stories of, of people saying that, um, that Kim Jong-un was able to to speak at six months old and he has the ability to control the weather. So you see this bizarre kind of combination of um, political leadership and they look to him as their hero of political leadership. Uh, well, that's that's what they're told to believe anyway. They, they um, when, you know, when you're living under immense uh, famine and poverty and, and you can't feed your family, I'm sure that's not what people are actually thinking, but that's the way the, um, the propaganda works, mixed with this bizarre kind of supernatural element as well to it. And uh, there's another one I didn't mention that uh, that is a little bit uh, interesting, creates an interesting image that the supreme leader doesn't need to go to the toilet. Ah, so, uh, <laughs> there you go. okay, now I'm not sure how accurate accurate all that is, but uh, you know, take that for what it, for what it is. But what you say, this idea of a supernatural element to yeah. the supreme leader. So for uh, what you might say is an extreme communist regime, and there are a number of those around the world, and we Mm -hmm. might look at China to say supreme communist regime, who would say there is no God. Yes. Uh, But to take it a step further and where China might need to go into the future is to create some level of supernatural persona for the leader, because this is what has to happen and is being led, they're leading the way in North Korea because there's a sort of God-likeness for the leader. It's been common the whole way through communist regimes. I was uh, in Hanoi uh, about three years ago 
and visited uh, Ho Chi Minh's mausoleum in in Hanoi. And uh, every single, uh, I think there were there were kindergarten children, four and five years old, once a year have to be marched past his image is in, is uh, is embalmed in a mausoleum and. I could tell you it was more than an ideological moment. It was more than a political moment. This, there was a very supernatural edge where, where these kind of uh, images um, reminded me of, of kind of the, the Babylon, uh, you know, Daniel bowing down yes, to the images yes. of Babylon, and it was all hardwired into this. And you're exactly right. They would espouse that there is no God, but uh, instead they have elevated another image as their, as their God. So you have Daniel and you have his friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And uh, if you get that image, that's very similar to the sorts of things that are happening in North Korea. James Kazina is our guest from Open Doors. James, uh, let's talk a little about uh, surveillance in North Korea because we're seeing the rise of surveillance uh, in North Korea, it's particularly handy for the leaders to have surveillance over the people. Yeah, that's right. And, and again, um, probably even a bit more broadly than, than North Korea, uh, in, in general, with our work, it's a, it's a huge problem. The fact that people would think technological advancements make uh, our kind of work easier. Um, having the Bible available in a digital format, for example, uh, mobile phones and that sort of thing. Uh, but what we're actually finding is that the government is is uh, very present in those environments, and uh, and that that is absolutely the case. My um, the biggest analogy I can draw is to the country of China, for example, where COVID hit. Uh, a lot of churches were already gathering uh, in underground homes. Uh, you know, many of us here in Australia were forced into our homes for church for the yep. first time mm. in a generation mm. uh, and beyond. And uh, and people were sort of asking us the questions, you know, well, maybe maybe gathering online in China is a is a good alternative, for example. But uh, that's that's not not the case at all. The government is present in all of those uh, situations and is able to trace and track Christians much more effectively as a result. And along those lines, Kristen responded to our Facebook post and said, "There's the beauty of smartphones. You can have so much digitally accessible, including the Bible, devotions, worship music." and even stream services and it can be protected by the user with passwords but what you're saying here is if you've downloaded the bible or if you're communicating with other christian believers the government's capacity to track you and have that surveillance Mm -hmm. means that hey you're sprung absolutely and uh certain countries in the world are are leading that in many many ways uh in china uh, there are sophisticated artificial intelligence uh, platforms uh, that include CCTV cameras. So uh, it's becoming mandated for churches to install CCTV cameras in their church buildings. Uh, and that they're able to draw connections between congregation members that are gathering regularly. They might um, be able to see them on the street meeting together. They might see them entering homes uh, and they have uh, extreme surveillance networks that are able to make connections between those believers. Uh, we were even chatting to a partner. Uh, it's in a country I can't even tell you the name of the country that we were speaking with this partner in. Uh, but he was telling us that the government has been able to leverage their uh, their COVID Safe app again. I just need to pause here and say uh, people that have got concerns around the way our government is handling that data. I'm of the position. Uh, that we're doing pretty well in comparison. I love to think that we live in a free country that uh, that has got its best intentions for us, and and that's my personal opinion. 
but in this place, you're looking at a nefarious government that is uh, is able to leverage that kind of information against Christians. They're able to see where Christians are gathering and when they're gathering. And uh, that's becoming a, a huge challenge for our partners across the world. And, of course, uh, let's not get dramatic, but as you say, uh, while our government remains governing in our best interests, mm. which relies on a democratic society uh, holding governments to account, and that's a real safeguard there. Mm. But when you've got camera technology that is filming everything and everywhere you are, all mm-hmm. you do is apply to that facial recognition technology and you can then track where everyone is going. Yeah. And uh, there are reports in recent uh, newspaper publications here in Australia that mm-hmm. this same facial recognition technology is being used and uh, might point to the state of Victoria because, of course, they've been very interested in keeping people under uh, what looks like a house arrest. Mm. Uh, So there are some challenges there that those things can come to a nation like Australia too. But when we look at a nation like North Korea, when we look at nations like China, Mm -hmm. uh, then we can see where that technology can be used to control the Christian church. Absolutely. We've even heard reports of, uh, again, places that I can't mention, uh, people that thought they were communicating in a secure environment. It was WhatsApp. It was the platform. Uh, it claims that it's got end-to-end encryption, but uh, we had entire, uh, it was actually over 70 uh, partners were detained as a result of encrypted WhatsApp messages. The government was able to table those and say, you know, what's going on here is is illegal activity because you're you're defying the, the national religion. Uh, by by encouraging people to gather to worship Jesus. And when you said <coughs> that word pressure, the pressure to conform, mm-hmm. just coming back to just how severe things are in North Korea, the idea that some parents, now in Australia uh, we talk about parents passing on our faith to our children and yeah. we'd see that as one of our clear responsibilities. But in North Korea, parents are often fearful of telling their children and their teenagers about their own faith. And you mentioned how the classroom works often in North Korea, but uh, but this idea of even parents passing on their faith to their children, they come under this pressure to conform. That's right. And it reminds me of verses, you know, passages of Scripture that didn't really make a lot of sense to me about uh, the, the gospel coming to divide mother and daughter and father and son. I didn't ever understand what that meant in a, in a predominantly Christian culture. That seemed very obscure. But I see that all the time now, all over the world, that parents uh, are forced to make. That's a very, very difficult decision. Is my child old enough to understand that if they tell anyone about our faith, that that could cost the entire family unit their life today? And uh, that's, that's a heavy burden. Because you're, you know, some some people would say that's a black and white issue that it's more important to tell your children about the gospel, but but you've got to realise that that could mean you're sentencing them to death today. You know, we can talk about the presence of God in a society, and you have the illustration in North and South Korea, mm. which is so so powerful, a lesson for the whole world, mm. uh, because back in 1903, 1906, there was the Pyongyang revival, and the Pyongyang revival in North Korea spread into the South, it captured a hold of the hearts of the people in South Korea and built a strong, uh, revival, evangelical, powerful, missional church. And uh, some of the biggest churches in the whole world are Mm -hmm. there in South Korea. Mm -hmm. 
it started in North Korea. Mm-hmm. And a series of things that happened, and uh, I'd have to be reminded of those things uh, that uh, caused there to be the division between mm-hmm. uh, the North and South. But the North went very much to godlessness, which led to their rise of the communist government. Mm-hmm. Uh, the South moved to a more free godly environment and as I understand it it's uh, a democracy in the south and that has led to a very very different two nations that you can hold in contrast one that has a godly center and one that has a godless center there's a lesson there for the whole world absolutely I think even then the, the the narrative and the parallel that you can draw to the personal walk as well uh I've I've got some dear friends who um to be honest, I'm moved by their commitment to pray and intercede for the nation of North Korea. They have a fierce, deep love for the nation of North Korea. And they've explained to me the kind of bedrock of offense that has led to the current situation in North Korea. Uh, generations of, of division uh, just kind of being layered upon layer upon layer of offense and anger and hatred and betrayal. Uh, and that's that that would be what they would say has has led to this situation uh but their answer on a personal level is is being driven to prayer i, I had the privilege of meeting an amazing woman uh who has made 89 prayer trips into north korea wow, wow. she's since been been black banned from the country um i guess someone figured out <laughs> eventually <laughs> we uh, don't want you praying in north korea mm. But I learned more from her with regards to a posture of prayer and the way that she wept for the nation of North Korea. And I thought, you know what, I'm probably going to be careful the kind of comments I make about that nation as a result of meeting her. Because I thought what she's doing and what she has done is going to be far more influential (laughs) than the typical response that would be to throw a barrage um, of comments against them. She weeps for them. I've promised her I'm going to... You know, I believe she, she had a word that that, that that nation would come to Jesus before she passes away. And a lot of people would throw those kind of sentences out, probably wouldn't mean much. When you've been there 89 times, risking your very life to be mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Like and uh, I've heard of uh, Christian believers who yeah. go on a missions adventure and uh, the idea is just they're going on a tour yeah. uh, to a nation and uh, I've heard of this happening in the nation of Cambodia yeah. uh, where they would go on uh, and uh, literally to go and pray in the nation. So yeah. you're on your tour and yes, you're doing the sightseeing yeah. but a part of the motivation for being there is that you are actually praying as you walk through through yeah. uh, those areas in the nation. And yeah. so uh, this woman, a very, very powerful ministry, and we can't discount that yeah. because here we are talking about it on <laughs> national radio and her prayers uh, now come to our inspiration. Yeah. Now, this is the interesting thing about prayer because if you involve yourself in prayer for a nation, uh, and let's just uh, just recognize that one of the beautiful things that came out of revival that swept through uh, North to South Korea is the formation of uh, overnight uh, prayer and all-day prayer and the idea of the establishing of prayer mountains. Uh, so the South Koreans are renowned for their prayer. 
And when you mention that there are offences that actually reinforce the division between North and South, when you are a prayer warrior, you cannot help but come to the idea that forgiveness is a part of who you are. Mm. Uh, give us a little insight here into this idea that maybe we have a role to play in prayer for North Korea, maybe joining hearts and minds with those in the South who would love to see a breakthrough. Yeah, it's um, a foundational core value of our ministry at Open Doors. I, I, I remember in the first week um, we start working for Open Doors, we have a, a whole series of induction videos that are, are, um, are by Brother Andrew himself, the man that founded Open Doors. And I remember being so moved by the way he spoke about the power of prayer. It made such a deep impression on me. felt like I was sitting in the room with Brother Andrew himself. And uh, Open Doors is called Open Doors because of the core value of prayer, that we believe prayer makes a way, makes an open door where there is previously no way. And so some of you might be looking at this and thinking this is such a hopeless, devastating situation. What can I do? And uh, that would be my encouragement is that we would say we'd love you to partner with us in prayer. Make a way where there isn't a way. When we uh, don't engage in prayer, we remain in a very much a state of the impossible. Nothing can happen, and you can convince yourself of that. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we open our hearts to invite God into our lives and we invite ourselves into his presence as he's invited us to do, mm -hmm. uh, we move into the realm of the impossible becomes possible because mm -hmm. it's no longer about us but about what God is doing. So this idea of praying into a situation like what seems to be impossible with the nation of North Korea, that's something that we can all participate in. Yeah, absolutely. My background is that I was a worship pastor uh, for, for quite a large church, and there's a few songs in particular that I now sing, and that's my kind of declaration for the nation of North Korea. There's one um, incredible bridge of a song that says, you made a way where there was no way. I believe you'll do it again. And so we've seen, you know, Open Doors was there when the, the Berlin Wall fell. I actually met the man from Open Doors that was the representative was there the moment it wow. happened. Mm. And no one thought that was possible. At the time, historically speaking, that wasn't moving. And, uh, and we were there. And so I, I declare that and I prophesy that to the nation of North Korea that God will make a way where there is no way. I believe that God will do it again. And, uh, and we'd love you to partner with us in that regard. The other thing that I think is incredible, Neil, is that you can know in partnering with us is that, um, that, that these prayer requests are from North Korean believers. And uh, this is the heartfelt cry of, of North Koreans for their nation. And I think there's something powerful and profound about that as well. Uh, is there a few dot points that you can fill us in on here? Yeah. And uh, I mentioned earlier, there might be some waiting with a pencil or a pen yeah. to write down some uh, prayer points for North Korea. And you say these came not because, you know, you were having a meeting at the office one day and said, oh, <laughs> this will be a nice little prayer point for North Korea. Yeah. But this has come out of uh, what we were talking about. It's like intelligence gathering that yeah. comes from the actual people under persecution behind yeah. the closed border of North Korea, what would they like for Aussie Christians to pray? Yeah. Uh, what are a few dot points we might be able to jot down? Yeah, this first one might seem surprising to many people. Um, our work is a gospel-centric work, and it always has been. We're known for smuggling Bibles and distributing Bibles. But in North Korea, the situation uh, around the famine and access to food is so dire 
that our number one need for Christians in North Korea from North Korean Christians is food. And so we would ask that you would pray uh, that God would be able to provide um, you know, what, what they need to survive in a physical context. It's very rare uh, that our primary you know, kind of need in a region would be survival first. We'd be thinking advancing the gospel. In North Korea, it's keeping Christians alive. You know, in while the news was on, uh, I said uh, in a flippant sort of a way to James, uh, well, if Kim Jong-il invented the hamburger, maybe they have a lot of barbecues. Uh, we could relate to them like Aussies do, you know, uh, sitting around and uh, having a barbecue and throw another snake, uh, steak on the barbie. But uh, but food rations are important here because uh, you reminded me that if they could have a barbecue, they probably would love that. But yeah. rations are very, very, very low. Yeah, 300 grams a day, and what our partners are saying is the current food ration, 300 grams a day. But I find that hard to believe because stories I've read um, are, are just so horrific to even comprehend. Children... Um, being found uh, uh, found dead that have got got the only thing in their stomachs are, are things like grass and rocks people are just scraping bare earth trying to find some kind of nourishment to live and so uh, that's that's what I'm saying that's that's the number one prayer request is is for Christians to survive this famine in North Korea let's think food uh, what's another one of those prayer requests that believers behind the borders, mm-hmm who are under persecution in North Korea, what else are they asking? I love this, uh, that they're not wanting to uh, get out of jail free. They're wanting to pray for strength and for courage uh, to be able to retain their faith in Jesus. And so think about that for a moment where we are in absolute privilege by comparison, and it's so easy to complain about, you know, or maybe feel jealous about what our neighbors have. These guys just want the strength to be able to represent Jesus well. Um, and courage to be able to endure this current trial. Food, strength and courage. Uh, What else can we remember here? We'd love to be able to pray that we can uh, prepare and equip the underground church to continue to advance the gospel. Okay, those are really powerful prayer points. And, you know, it's not rocket science. Uh, They haven't said we need the formula for this or uh, we need some special, you know, technology to be able to overcome. Uh, They haven't even said they want to escape from this. But when you say the strength and courage to endure, uh, those are powerful things that might reflect the heart of the believer in North Korea. And let's assume that if there hasn't been access to a whole lot of Bible study and, you know, we've gone through and we've earned a degree in this or a degree in that, uh, that there is a very simple faith. But obviously that simple faith uh, shows itself to be very profound in a practical sense. And so uh, I don't know whether you've got any reflection here on just the heart of the believer who hasn't had access to all of the things that we've got, yep. uh, but their faith is perhaps stronger than ours. Reminds me of a young man I met in a similar regime, under a communist regime. And you, you need to realize for a moment that in a dominant Christian culture, certainly that I've grown up in, we are used to this idea of a peaceful, loving, nurturing God. God as Father who loves us and cares for us. Uh, but these people are terrified of their gods. The man I met I was used to having to sacrifice animals to appease these gods so that they would have a crop in the future years. But I'll never forget the way he described Jesus when he met Jesus was that he was so gentle and he was so kind. And so 
that's the kind of relationship that these people have to be able to cling to him that will endure through their suffering. And it's so profound and so beautiful. Uh, that's a really powerful point that we're going to have to tie things up on. Uh, mm-hmm. The gentleness of Jesus in contrast with the profound uh, overriding uh, deep uh control of the state mm-hmm. uh, there's something there that does you know if you just take a moment to think about that uh, makes Jesus so beautifully attractive mm-hmm. and so no doubt the fact that the church is alive and well 300,000 strong in North Korea is something we can give glory to God for Absolutely. and uh, it, it turns on its on, on its head some of the ideas that we have about what makes a strong church mm-hmm. what makes a church that is uh, faithful and humble before God you know i don't want to miss the opportunity uh, to point listeners to support for open doors uh, no secrets here that open doors is one of my favorite uh, organizations that cares for the needs mm. and in a practical way and a spiritual way uh, for the persecuted church in so many different uh, areas around the world are there some current campaigns that you've got running right now that listeners can respond to mm. well, if people jump on our website opendoors.org.au they'll be able to see those campaigns but i would always say neil Uh, What we call where most needed, if you see that on our website at any point and people are contributing, it's nearly always uh, going to the kind of projects we've been talking about today. I'm even smiling at you now because I can't always fill in the details, but I'm sure people understand that the most critical areas of need are usually those ones that we can't speak about in full clarity. And so we have, I just need to pause and thank uh, those supporters right across the country that trust the work of Open Doors and trust that it's being sent to the places it is needed most. And I can vouch for that personally. I've seen it myself. I believe you've seen some of them mm, yourself. Yep. And we're grateful for you. And please know that you guys are making a difference, advancing the gospel all across the world. And listeners, they will appreciate quite deeply that there are some secretive things you can't talk about, uh, secretive things that if they were out in the public domain, uh, then those things could be then uh, pounced upon Mm -hmm. and stopped. Uh, So there are all sorts of opportunities that Open Doors is able to uh, utilise. And the, the challenge is for all of us to be thinking, How can we support one more organization that might be doing a wonderful work uh, that uh, God may be even putting on our hearts to support? Uh, Let me give that website and you can go to the website. You'll find links, no doubt, to some of the sorts of things we've been talking about. You can find out some detail about the World Watch List. You can find out some of the campaigns that Open Doors is asking those supporters to respond to. Opendoors.org.au. That's opendoors.org.au. Dot org dot au. James Casino is uh, church engagement uh, manager. Uh, so part of the team, a wonderful team at Open Doors. James, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been a privilege. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.